0: The word Advent means coming. The word Advent, it means coming. But the reason we bring it up is because it's a way of describing our preparation for Christmas, which is basically a celebration of the coming of Jesus, as you've heard several times already this morning, this baby born to Joseph and Mary in Bethlehem. Today, uh, Bethlehem, and in the last few days, has been uh, having a little bit of riot as a result of the president's edict that the capital of of, uh, Israel moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, and so I I heard that even in Bethlehem, of all places, there are some protests that are going on in the world uh, today. But the reason that we need to prepare ourselves is because if we don't prepare ourselves, Christmas has a tendency to lose its real purpose, and ultimately it ends up becoming a celebration of self of the things that we like to do or want or think that we need or desire or whatever. And the problem we face is that the whole reason for the gift giving in the first place was because of the gift God gave us when Jesus came to us. And so if we don't go through some strategy, some process in our churches and in our homes and in our classes and in our schools and uh, whatever it may be, uh, it's easy for us to lose sight of the very reason why we're giving gifts. The reason, of course, has been mentioned already. Devin spoke of it in the lighting of the candle. He, he talked about the incarnation, the incarnation. It's when God, who is spirit, came to us and put on flesh. God, the Father, who the Bible says is spirit. I think I've got that, I got that coming up, I think in, the King, in King James perhaps, I'm not sure, but it says John 4.24, God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. So God is spirit. Now that's hard for you and I to kind of switch gears and think about it that way, but the Bible says God is spirit. And so when, when God comes down, and he, he, he mingles with us, with humanity, for us to be... I, I, I don't know if he hadn't put flesh on if we would be able to see him. Only if he lets us see him, he's spirit. But, but when God came down in the person and work of Jesus Christ, he put on flesh, carnal, having to do with the flesh. In, car, in the flesh, God, who is spirit, the Bible says, coming to the earth in the flesh, incarnation. But you see, the commercial success of Christmas and the desire to give and to receive presents so often takes our focus, and not only takes the focus, but takes it far, far away from the very reason that it began in the first place, uh, that there's very little understanding sometimes in the world in which we live that it all began with God's gift to us. So so we do what we're doing here. There are two candles lit, and God willing, we'll light four, and we'll light the Christ Christ candle, the white candle, on Christmas Eve. And we do these things not for uh, show, uh, not for formality, and not for brownie points with God. It, It is really to remind us Not to get off track, not that there's anything wrong with giving things to people that we love and receiving things from people who want to give a love gift, but that we have not forgotten the real reason for it. So we remind ourselves week by week of the story of Jesus coming to the world. Sometimes uh, churches, and we could have done this here, uh, we we walk through uh, those reminders by looking at the biblical characters that were a part of that first story. And sometimes we look at the wise men who brought gifts. And that's a way to do it. Sometimes we look at people like John the Baptist, whom God sent as a forerunner uh, to Jesus, preparing the way for Jesus to come in the flesh, God coming in the flesh, incarnal, incarnate, incarnate in the flesh. Sometimes we'll look at John the Baptist or his mother uh, and, and Elizabeth and, and all of that story. Sometime, sometimes we We'll, we'll open the Bible and we will go through and sort out the many, 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 many prophecies that, be, prophecies that began in the Old Testament and continued through the New Testament to, that speak of the coming of Messiah, who is God incarnate. Sometimes we'll, we'll do that. But this year... We've chosen to look at the story of Jesus as though it were, if you could picture just a large mural painted, let's just say we had a great artist and started over here where the scripture says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. If we started there at the beginning of creation and began to tell the story in picture form all the way across the front of this worship center, and hopefully what we would see from start to To this side, I hate to say finished because it's not really finished, is a big picture. And so that's why on your little cards that you're passing out is that our Advent season is topically devoted to seeing the big picture in God's Word because it didn't start with baby Jesus. This love that we're talking about did not start with baby Jesus. Think about it this way. Now, Some of you know that, but we need to refresh it in our minds. It did not start with baby Jesus. It started in the heart of God when He created the world and all that was in the world, including His prized possession, mankind. So today, we're going to do our best to talk about something that's hard. It's, it's easy. It's an easy subject to bring up, but it's hard to bring it to its full measure, and that is the love of God that God has for us and for mankind. So I want to invite you to turn with me to that passage we started with, 1 John chapter 3. And we're going to see the word love pop up as it relates to God. So I'm going to read it for you again. You don't need to read it out loud. But I will refresh our memories for just a moment. 1 John 3 and just one verse. And here's what it says. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. See, with an emphasis on see, see. See, see it, see it, people, see it, people, see it, world, see it, America, see it, South America, see it, Europe, see it, Asia, see it, Africa, see it, Australia, see how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, see it, how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. So you see, the world in general does not see that great love of God. And that's why it is our task through the Great Commission to tell people, whether it's in Lakeview Christian School, or whether it's as much as we can squeak in in the public sector, or whether it is down at work as much as you can get by with without getting yourself in trouble, and in your neighborhood, and in your family get-togethers, and wherever we go. To talk about this tremendous love that God has for us, that first word there is see. See how great a love. See. In the old King James, if you've got that, it says, behold. Behold. Now this evening, the choir is going to present Agnus Dei. And it's going to be wonderful. And so we'll probably start the service out by saying something like, behold, Agnus Dei. And you're looking at me, no, we're not going to do that. Nobody uses that word anymore, behold, right? It's not a familiar word anymore. So let me tell you about behold. Let me tell you why that is a special word. The New American Standard translated it C. King James said, behold. It's really all about the wow factor. It's sort of like, man, I came to church this morning, and wow, did you hear the bell choir? Wow, did you hear the choir special? Wow, did you hear that guy on the keyboard? Wow, did you hear Mark playing, or uh, uh, Tim George playing the, keyboard, the, key, the piano? Wow, did you hear how Devin read that opening for the Advent? Wow, it's the wow fact. Wow, it's sort of like, uh, you know, the last presentation of the fireworks at Disney, Disney World, or the last presentation of the fireworks at the Super Bowl. Have you seen that before? I know some of you don't care about it, but but the fireworks are pretty cool. It's sort of like, well, most of you know we come from central Ohio, and there's a city, capital city there called Columbus, Ohio, that does something special on the 4th of July, and they call it Red, White, and Boom. That's what it's called, red instead of blue. Red, white, and boom, because they're going to just throw some real major fireworks at you. Let Let me just give you a picture of what happens if we can get that to run. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. Now, you may not, Columbus may not be your favorite city in the whole world, but you have to admit the people that lived there were pretty excited about that. You saw the city in the background, and you saw all the stuff going on. It's like, behold, did you see that? That's the wow factor. That's, that's what he's saying here. Wow! Did you see the love of God that came upon us when Jesus took flesh and God left his throne? And came to meet with us, that is a tremendous sign of love. Just like this was. It feels like you're in another world for a few seconds. In fact, in fact that's how it reads in the original Greek. Kenneth Weist is a tremendously and a well-known and, and agreed upon Greek scholar. And I've read from his translations before for you, but so I want to give you his rendering of the wow factor. From the Greek, this is the verse as translated by a Greek scholar from the Greek. Listen to what he says. Behold, wow! Behold, what exotic, foreign to the human heart, foreign to the human heart. We we didn't figure this out by ourselves. We well, I, I, fell, I Hey, I fell in love. I thought I fell in love with this girl uh, back in high school or in college. And oh man, or I fell in love with this guy. Or I fell in love and I... No, no, you, you, you didn't figure this love out. This, this is, behold, this is an exotic, foreign to the human heart love that the Father has permanently bestowed upon us to the end that we may be named children, born ones, barons, that's children, of God, and we are. This is an exotic, unique, wow factor love that God has had in his heart for you and for me and for all of his creation, not since Jesus came as a little baby, but since the beginning of time, God has had that kind of wow love for you. Whether you're feeling it right now or not, it's there. The word for love there is agape. And many of you who have studied these things in the past, this is familiar to you. But for some of you, you don't don't know that there are different words in the Greek for love. And they mean different things. And agape love is not sexual love. Agape love is not brotherly love. Agape love is a self-sacrificing love. Self-sacrificing love that always puts the needs of the other person ahead of their own. That's the kind of love that a parent might say, well, look, uh, I don't, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I, I'm maybe the bread, the bread earner here. And so all of my family, and let's just say the wife doesn't work outside the home, she works furiously inside the home, but she rests upon whatever the husband is earning to be able to make Christmas gifts happen. And it's sort of like the father saying, look, I got X amount of money, that we can put toward Christmas gifts for the kids. And honey, I want to get you something too. But there's not, a, there's not enough to go around for everybody. So uh, you take this money. Uh, I'm going to get you something out of this. And then you take this money and buy for the kids. And you tell them and yourself and everybody else, don't worry about me. Don't worry about me. I don't need anything. I'm going to sacrifice ha- opening something under the tree Why? Because I want to see the joy in the kids' hearts. And so there's a sacrifice that is going on there. And that's what agape love is all about. If you've ever read the Bible cover to cover, how many can say you've read the Bible cover to cover before? Okay, so this year I've I've got Jessica working on the next rendition of uh, Read Through the Bible in a Year, and we'll hopefully get that out to you hopefully a little bit before the January 1 so you can start and maybe even get a little heads up, a little advance uh, for the times when you maybe uh, miss one. But if you've ever read the Bible cover to cover what you'll begin to see, and it isn't that there's brownie points in doing that, but it's that you see the picture, the mural going all the way across that's what happens when you read cover to cover and you see the big picture which is what we're being, trying to stress here Uh, that you begin to see a big picture of God's love because He was loving us from the very beginning of time. And He has stayed with that love all the way to Revelation, which is the last book of the Bible. If you read it cover to cover, you're going to see that tremendous wow factor love of God for humanity starting at the very beginning and all the way to the last book, Revelation. Revelation. And Revelation is the last book in the Bible. But it is not the end. It is not the end of God's love. Because the book of Revelation, along with other passages in the Scripture, tell us that God's love, listen to this. If you think the wow factor has already made a point, listen to this. God's love is only getting started when this world comes to a close as we know it. That's, that's how long and permanent the agape love of God is for His creation. Now D.L. Moody, who is a famous preacher of the past, he's gone to be with the Lord now. Moody Bible Institute in uh, Chicago is part of the work of, you know, tremendous preacher of the Word of God, a, a, a student of the Word of God. And the story is told that uh, he, was, he, was, he was contemplating this whole subject of the, the, the wow factor of God's love. So he decided he was going to read every scripture, in, every passage in the Bible that had to do with the Heavenly Father's love. And this is what he concluded after doing that study. Here's what he said, and I quote, I know of no truth in the Bible that ought to come home to us with such power and tenderness as that of the love of God. There is no truth in the Bible that Satan would to blot out as that, unquote. And he will even use something as special as Christmas season and the idea of giving gifts to blot out the real truth of the Heavenly Father's love for us. Psychologists tell us in study after study that if a child is not raised in an atmosphere where the parents have and demonstrate a self-sacrificing kind of love, a self-sacrificing kind of care, a a, a self-sacrificing kind of love that says to the child in their home, I will always love you, I will never leave you, you never have to worry about that. That when a child is raised in that atmosphere, some pretty remarkable things happen in their spirit. But some pretty amazing things can happen to people who don't have opportunity to experience that. And those that don't have a self-sacrificing kind of love demonstrated can cause a child to grow into, into adulthood in a lifelong search for love. And oftentimes it's in the wrong places oftentimes that search and that yearning for the kind of love that the Heavenly Father has bestowed upon us, they're on a lifelong search. Addictions, listen, addictions of all kinds and varieties, I believe, are rooted in the fact that children need love. And when it is not present in their early childhood development, they often go off on a long and often traumatic journey. In their lives, in order to find love. And some of you are in the middle of that journey right now that I'm speaking to. And some will be listening to this by way of the internet. And you're somewhere in that journey right now, perhaps not even realizing that you've been on that journey. And you begin to put two and two together, and you begin to realize, what is it that drives me to keep moving in certain directions? It's almost like I'm in search of something that I've never been able to satisfy. It's sort of like being totally, totally famished and hungry, sitting down at the table and eating, and then pushing away and saying, I still feel hungry. You ever had that feeling? You ever been hungry, sat down and ate ate plenty, and got up from the table and said, I don't know why, but I still feel hungry. And, you know, the person who prepared the meal says, I don't want to hear about it <laughs> because I fixed you a nice meal. But I don't want to hear about it. Take a second portion or whatever, but don't tell me that you haven't been sat, but, but you feel not satisfied. What, what, what would cause a child or an adult, uh, a teenager, to move in certain directions? Question. When did that kind of love begin? And we've already answered that in the very beginning, in the very heart of God. That's where that kind of special love began. It was an exotic love. It was a love that nobody knew anything about. And God showed it to us in the very beginning. And He showed it to us again when He stepped off of His throne and came and put on flesh so we could see Him and touch Him and realize His ministry amongst us for a little while, 2,000 years ago. And He loved us. Question, could it ever end? Could that kind of love ever end? Well, guess what? I'm not going to answer that for you. You can answer it for yourself, perhaps at the end of the message or the end of your own quest. But let me suggest this. If you're under 40 years of age this morning, or unless you are a history buff, you won't appreciate what I'm about to tell you but I do hope that you will listen to what I'm saying so that you can at least learn from history if you've not experienced it yourself. Many of us in the room this morning grew up in the 60s, and it was a generation. You remember the 60s if you're, if you're over 40? You remember the 60s was the self-proclaimed generation of love. Huh? You remember that? You saw little patches and banners and just put one of these up here. you ever, you ever seen any of those? If you're, if you're over 40, you've seen stuff like this. Make love, not war, and all, all, all of that sort of thing. And then you've got the Beatles. They come along singing, all you need is love. What? So what's the definition of love? What was, there, what was the Beatles' definition of love? What kind of love? What kind of love are we talking about here? Well, for the Beatles, it was, mm, let's see. It was um, free love, sex. It was drugs. It was studying Hare Krishna and the next thing that came along. And uh, you know what I'm talking about. So, what was their definition? Make love? What, what, What does love mean? You know, as one man put it, and I agree with him, human love, this is why we needed God to help us. Human love is object oriented. ...and not permanent. Human love is object-oriented. Human secular love... ...is object... It, that, that, ...that's why if you're not careful... ...your kids can get confused... ...under the Christmas tree... ...because they confuse real love... ...with an object of love... ...that they're fascinated with... ...to open the package. But it's not permanent... ...because it doesn't last for very long. Sometimes if they're little kids... Sometimes their fascination with what was in the box is less and more fascinated with the box. You know what I'm saying? That's how shallow human love can be. It does not totally satisfy. But God's love, this exotic wow factor love, this agape love, this self-sacrificing love is subject-oriented. And it's a forever kind of love. And so... And so uh, you know, in the, in the 60s generation, in the free love movement, it was all about practicing the love of sexual intimacy with true, lasting love. And they don't always go together, if ever. And so God has shown us a different kind of love. The love of the 60s was a love not rooted in a lifelong commitment of care and affection, that protects forever. The undying love and the care that a godly parent has for their child, it's a forever kind of love. If you've ever had children, some of you have not, and that's okay. But trust, trust me, I, as one who has had children and been blessed with children, that a godly parent's love for their child is a forever kind of love until the day the parent leaves this earth. It is a forever kind of love. It never goes away. That's that's an agape love for our children. Never goes away. It never burns out. It never betrays its loyalty to the relationship. It never moves on to another as though we could just switch out one to another. So... In light of that kind of a father's love for his children, I believe as others do that the number... Listen to this. Let this capture your imagination for a moment, if you will. I believe as others do that the number one discovery a person can make in this life is to discover the love that God has for each one of us. When you discover that, then you will desire a personal relationship with Jesus Christ when you discover the Father's love. The problem is many people in this world are, they either have enough to kind of make it, and even if you're on the low side of that, it's still a pretty easy life compared to third world countries. I'll guarantee you that because I've been there, and some of you have too. But the fact of the matter is we take it for granted. And you talk, you talk to the average person out there who's just kind of surviving and making it, and some better than others, and you talk to them about how, you, how, how God has this tremendous love and how that ought to revolutionize your life, and they're going, I don't care. So what? What is that to me? They don't understand the terrible condition that they are in as a result of that cesspool called sin we all have in our lives, and there's a judgment to, to, to come to that. And so it's very difficult to, you can't make somebody care about that. There, there's got to be a drawing by the Holy Spirit and an opening of ears and hearts and, and the right words and the right timing and the right whatever it is. And so I would ask this question to everyone here in the room today or listening by the Internet. Have you discovered God's love? Have you, have you really discovered how much God loves you. That's what I've been trying to get across ever since I got up here. The love of God, our Heavenly Father. It's a love that was willing to forgive the fact that we took His love for granted and lived the way we thought best. Let me say that again. The love of God, our Heavenly Father is a love that was willing to forgive the fact that we took His love for granted and lived the way we thought was the best, not what he wanted, not what he thought. Since the very first man and woman in the Garden of Eden, men and women have been deciding for themselves how to live in this world. And what if I told you it's the same way today? We have another generation of young people, and every day they are deciding that the Bible is not reliable information anymore. And that they're going to make their social, their sexual, and their vocational decisions on the basis of how they feel. How they feel about things. For example, now you're going to say, "Eh, you're you're going to start meddling and cause problems. Yes, I am. Because here, just give you a couple examples. God's Word tells us, That because of love, abortion is not pleasing to God because life is precious. You read it from front to back cover and you will come to believe what God wants. And that is that life is precious. But listen, we have a generation that are not opposed to abortion because it doesn't feel fair to the woman's right to choose. It doesn't feel fair for the woman not to be allowed to choose her own destiny, so to speak. And so it's not on the basis of what God's word says about the preciousness of life. It's on the basis of what we decided we feel about it. We're happy for God to save us, but not so happy when he gives us direction that we don't agree with at the time. Now, I know that's meddling in this culture. And some would say, well, you can't draw a crowd with that. And that may be true, so be it, if that's how it is. But let me give you another piece. God's Word says that a man should not lie with another man as with a woman. That's what God's Word says. It says that, trust me, in more than one place. It says that a man should not lie with another man as with a woman, and vice versa. But we have a generation that disagrees with God's word. Why? Because it doesn't feel fair to be denied the right to follow our feelings. Now I want you to think about this, please. Let me say that if we all followed every feeling that we had in this life apart from God's word, we'd be in a worse mess than we already have. If we all followed our feelings on certain days. If I followed every thought or feeling that I ever had, I, I tr- trust me, you wouldn't bother to come here and let me walk up on this platform and say the first word if I followed every thought or feeling that I might have on certain days, and guess what? I wouldn't be standing here trying to help somebody because I wouldn't care whether you loved God or not some days. Because some days you get on my nerves. (laughs) And some days I'm sure I get on yours. See, we all have those days, don't we? When we have these feelings. And and sometimes we, we can't even sort it all out. And so that's why God gave us this book to give us wisdom. And it's not about how we feel about it. It's about what it says. Hello. It's about what it says. And that's part of the rationale for why I preach through the scriptures like I do. Whether it's the best or not, you have to be the judge of that and God'll be the judge of that. But the but the strategy behind it is that there is one person who knows what the scripture means. And it is the one who wrote it. The Holy Spirit. And it doesn't matter what I think it means, and it doesn't really matter. Who cares what you think it means? Who cares what I think it means? What matters is what it means. And so what you and I need to do is we need to put these scriptures in context and we need to lay them out and, and compare them to what's in the Old Testament and what's in the New Testament and, and what have scholars said and what, is the, what do we know about the history of that time and all that sort of thing so that we can best understand what the one author, the Holy Spirit, meant when these books were given to us. Let me say this in relation to the kind of love God has for his children. Listen, this is not pick on people. It's to say listen, our our world is moving at at a at a, a treacherous rate of speed. About I'll decide what the Bible means. And I'll do it on the basis of how I feel about it. And I know I have people, I have people that I care about desperately. I have members in my family who I love and would give my life for, and I can see what the culture, how the culture is pulling these young people toward. Even though they're being given better instruction, it's like it's like there is a the enemy has so put out a false uh, spirit to deceive and to hook us into something that we can't see it. And so the church has to speak truth. The church has to take time to do these kinds of exercises and talk about these fundamental issues. So we want to experience His love as long as there's no conditions that we disagree with. Yeah, I'm glad not to go to hell. I want Jesus to be my Savior. I'm not interested in being in trouble with God as long as we agree with what He says. But the moment that He calls us to obey Him in a matter that we disagree with is the moment that we often walk away From His care. It's sort of like you give one of your children the right counsel and and the next morning you wake up and find out they ran away from home. They ran off. And what you were giving them was because of your tremendous love for them. And in the end, if they live long enough, many of them will come back and see the, the foolishness of their way and maybe come back and even say, I'm sorry, you were right, I was wrong. God's loving kindness is not a license to live as we choose. Oh, well, he'll, he, he said, and Pastor Tim, you said this yourself. He, he said, forgive 70 times 7. So look, I'm only at 48. I, look, I'm going to fix that before I die. Okay? You missed the whole point. You missed the whole point of the Father's love when you look at that forgiveness issue that way. God's loving kindness is not a license to live as we choose, But it's an opportunity to show by our obedience that we respect and appreciate what he did for us by dying in our place on a cross. He did not deserve. I deserved it. And so he said, could you show me a little respect? You know, that's what my father used to say. Dad, what do you want for Christmas? Dad, what do you want uh, for your birthday? He's gone now. He's, He's in heaven now. And I've told you this before. His standard answer never changed. He said, Dad, what do you want for your birthday? Just show me a little respect. Now, I think I was doing that all along. And he meant it in a loving sort of way. Not because he thought I wasn't. But it was to, it was to help me think about relationships right. Just always respect your father. And always respect your mother. Always respect your heavenly father's love. And the way you show that is by caring about what he did enough to be obedient and not live your life the way the world is pulling us to say oh no we'll decide what's fair we sat down and guess what if you if you if you've got enough money and if you got enough time you can find a phd write a study and tell you why the you shouldn't listen to the bible you can find somebody that'll do that they're all over the place the books are all over the place you just need to know that somebody's got to sort through that nonsense In other words, many in this world are or have been quite happy for God's love to save us from the penalty of our sin. But we have never allowed his love for us to change us. Can I say that again? That's a good line. That's a good line. That's a good line. We've been quite happy for God's love to save us from the penalty of our sin, but we have never allowed His love to change us. So has the love of God for you changed you? Has it changed you? Has it made a difference in your life? There are many in this world of ours who have never known the depravity of their sin. They have no awareness of the fearsome judgment And wrath of God upon sin, they don't even think about it. If they know about it, they don't even think about it. And there are many who have never yet tasted the sweet honey of God's love and forgiveness to those who have acknowledged their need for a Savior. People who have respected and appreciated what the love of God the Father has already done for them in putting on flesh and dying in our place even before we apologized and asked forgiveness. So the love of God should change us on the inside out of sheer gratitude. Catch that. The love that God has for us should change us on the inside if for no other reason out of sheer gratitude. The coming of Jesus into this world is the greatest gesture of true love that the world has ever known. And there is not another religion There is not another spiritual leader. There is not another true book about the big picture of the Heavenly Father's love than the one we have before us today, God's Word. So I want us to bow our heads for just a moment and I want to to just quote some lyrics of a song that's familiar to some of us. But I want to close with that because there may be some people here today that you've heard about God's love and you never really thought about it in the magnitude in which God's love really is and maybe this has awakened something inside you and it causes you to just want to love a father like that. Maybe you didn't have a father or a mother like that. Maybe you've been on one of those journeys to try to find that kind of love and care and that kind of a relationship. So would you bow your heads and just contemplate For those of you who know Jesus and love Him and are thankful for the Heavenly Father's love and have experienced it and it's changed you, let this enrich your your moments with God. And for those of you who are, are wondering, what would it be like to be really loved by a father like that? Listen to these words. The love of God greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell it goes beyond the highest star it reaches to the lowest hell the guilty pair bowed down with care God gave his son to win his erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin oh the love of God how rich and pure How measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and the angels' song. I'm going to give you a third verse. And while your heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and thank you for playing that song. This last last quotation I'm going to give you, we are told was discovered written on the walls of what they used to call an insane asylum. We don't call it that anymore, but it is a place for the mentally disturbed. And apparently this patient in this particular room who had mental issues evidently had some lucid moments when the mind was clear. And when that patient died one day, They came in to clean the room and they discovered these words written on the wall of that patient's room. And it was added to this song, which was originally a Jewish poem. Listen to these words by a person whose mind was not always clear all the time. Could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made? Where every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above, would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Do you know this, love? If you're not sure that you've ever reached out to God so that you could know this love, I'd like to lead you in a prayer because you can meet Jesus today right here in this service and you can begin a relationship with God the Father's love that will never leave you. Just make this prayer your prayer. God, some of these words the pastor spoke this morning, somehow they resonated in my spirit, in my mind. And somehow I feel I need what he's talking about. I certainly need a savior because I'm a sinner. I admit that. But I don't know how to find you. I don't know how to navigate this life. I don't know how to get things fixed. And he says that your love, God, is so great that you've already paid the price. You came yourself, a self-sacrificing love, and you paid it for me. And I hadn't even told you I was sorry, but I'm here this morning to tell you I'm sorry. I am sorry. I am sorry for every vulgar thought, vulgar word, vulgar activity that I have ever done against your pleasure. And yes, I have thought just like the world thinks, and I have tried to think my way through life on the basis of what I think is fair, and I would like for you to tell me what you say you want me to do, and how you want me to think, and how you want me to live. I need that direction. So Jesus, I wanna tell you, I love you. I don't know exactly how that all works out, but I just, I believe in you. I believe what you did on the cross, that you were God on the cross, paying the penalty for my sin. I somehow I believe that, and I need you, and I need a new start with my life. And so please come into my life, and please save me this morning. Save me, and help me to appreciate the love that you've had for me all along. Amen. Now, heads are still bowed, please, eyes closed. Listen, I'd just like to be able to acknowledge where you are if you prayed that prayer. If you prayed that prayer, would you slip your hand up and put it right back down? Say, "Thank you, God bless you." Who else? God bless you. I saw that hand. Others, slip it up and put it right back down. Now I want to encourage you. Don't do this alone, but let us here at this church help you. Thursday night, we had a massive Christmas celebration with our school and Dr. Kraus put cards out for people who needed Jesus and who needed help with the church home. And a student prayed to receive Jesus Thursday night, just like what happened here this morning. And a mom who had students enrolled in our school said, I don't have a church home, and I'd like to know more about this church and how to get involved. That's how we fill the pews. That's how the church grows. And I want to encourage you Be sensitive to the people God brings across your path so that we are demonstrating the Father's love because His love is attractive. My love is good some days and not so good other days, but the Father's love is always attractive, and that's who we are to emulate. Heavenly Father, as we're preparing to leave this morning, bless us and keep us. Make Your face to shine upon us. Refresh us in our spirit. Forgive us because of Christ. And let us bask in the love of God so rich and so full that if we were writing about it we would drain the oceans dry of ink and there wouldn't be enough paper as the Bible says to write all of the great things Jesus did even while he was on the earth let alone through eternity. Thank you for reminding us of that love as we see the big picture leading up to the birth of Christ. We love you. Bless us and keep us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.